Today it's my turn to share my first birth story with you. As with every birth story, it is unique. It's my experience of how things went. It's not all positive and happy, but it certainly ends with a healthy baby and that's the important part. I hope you enjoy it and I hope you get something useful out of it. Here we go. You're listening to the How to Mum 101 podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Karen and I'm Felicity. Tell me when it all happened. Did it did it go to plan or was there a plan? How did it all start for you? Yes, I did have a bit of a plan going into it. I love googling things and reading online about how everything works and what all the different options are. So I did a lot of reading about um, you know, how likely a woman my age you know, with whatever statistics is to go to 40 weeks or go beyond. And I've somehow worked out that I was statistically likely to go over my due date by 10 days or something like that, or even more. So I, I was pretty confident based on that to just ride things out as long as everything was going well and baby was healthy and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. I was pretty comfortable to just wait until baby was ready because I'd also done some reading that, um, you know, with an induction, if your body's not necessarily ready for it, then it can affect your chances of a successful vaginal delivery. So I went along to my 40 week, my due, my, I had an appointment on my due date with um, an obstetrician at the hospital and she did a, um, she did an examination and she found that, um, I was like one or two centimeters dilated. What sort of examination was this? Uh, like internal? Yes. Yeah. 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 And she, she also did a, a Bishop score calculation, which is. I haven't heard of that. Yeah. It's like, um, they look at the position of the baby, uh, the position of the cervix, uh, dilation, um, a couple of other things, and they give you a score. I don't know, it's out of 13 or something like that, and I got a score of six. And the reason they do that, I think, is to sort of give some kind of prediction about how successful an induction would be. Really? So, yeah, the higher the score, the more ready your body is to go into labor. Wow. So if they do it with a high score, then they have sort of a higher level of confidence that your body's just going to kick in and, and go for it. Whereas if you have a really low score, there's a lot of work to do to get that induction going. Right. So six is not a bad score. That sounds really valuable in terms of giving like arming you to make an educated decision. Yeah. About whether or not. Having said that though, she didn't actually tell me that I peeked over her shoulder and (laughs) read And I read it. Right. I read it in her notes. Okay. And then I Googled it when I got home. Right. So I didn't know that at the time. So I think, I don't know. Maybe they do that because I obviously was induced. Yeah. And I didn't know about this. Um, and you would think if it's like a common practice that you would know about it. But maybe they do it, but they just don't tell you. Yeah. Because they don't want you to, I guess, psychologically mm. be thinking that it's not going to work or something like that. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So... So she booked in an induction for me uh, at that point, which was 10 days after my due date, which I think is pretty standard. And it happened to be the day after my birthday. So I was like, yeah, okay, that'll, that'll work. Um, <laughs> but because I'd had this, because she said, look, you're, you're starting to dilate, your service is looking good, like everything's cool. I, I don't see that you're going to go that far. So in my mind at that point, 
I had no um, thought that I was actually going to get to that date and have an induction. I thought I was going to spontaneously go into labour and get going. And how were you feeling apart from obviously pregnant? <laughs> were you were you coping okay at that point? Yeah, I was. I mean, obviously being that pregnant is extremely uncomfortable. I think a lot of women when they get to that point in pregnancy are so excited to see their baby and they kind of expect it to be out by the 40 yeah. mark. Yep. And they're like, it's got to happen now. <laughs> but what helped me was that I was terrified of having a baby. <laughs> I mean, like actually having to look after a child. Yes. And I thought it is so much easier when it's in my tummy because I don't have to feed it. I don't have to make it sleep. I don't have to deal with it crying. Yeah. It's just warm and cozy in there and just look I can take it anywhere (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh Um, it's so true though it is so true like don't wish those last couple of days away right (laughs) yeah so I was pretty I was pretty happy (laughs) happy to continue with the pregnancy good so we we chugged along and we got to the induction date and or the day before the induction date and I started to get a bit worried I was like I really didn't think that I was going to have to have an induction I was really bummed that it had come to that point was there any other checks between the 40 week and the induction or that 10 days did you um, see anybody did they do anything else to you I don't think so do you have a stretch and sweep or anything uh no they offered me a stretch and sweep at my 40 week appointment but I said no because I, I just didn't feel like going through that at that time fair enough um and yeah, so I, I don't think I had any appointments. I may have had one, but I, I don't think so. I think we just got to the induction date. Nothing memorable. And I was, yeah, supposed to go into the hospital at 7am or 8am in the morning. Uh, and the day before was when I did that reading that I mentioned before about, you know, based on my age, because I'm a little bit older. And I just felt like I could keep going. <laughs> yeah, you made it that far. Yeah. I thought, yeah. look, if... My body, I trusted my body and I trusted that it's, this is all natural and that if baby was ready to come out, then she would come out. Mm-hmm. And, and that wasn't happening. So I was happy to just be guided by what my body was doing. So I rang the hospital and I said, look, I don't think I want to go through the, with this induction. And they said, okay, well, just come in and we can talk about it. And uh, if you if you really want to, you can decline the induction, but we'll talk about it and we'll do a scan and see how you're doing. So I went in and they they did probably try and talk me out of it a little bit. Obviously, the uh, talk you out of not having the induction. Correct. So talk you into <laughs> talk me into the induction. Yeah, yeah. Yes, because the reason that they do it on that plus ten days point is because after that, you know, the risk of stillbirths and things goes up and certainly once you get to 14 days over your due date um, then they start to really worry about those sorts of things and obviously they want to make sure that everything that everybody's healthy so again something I didn't know that there's a risk of stillbirth if you go over yeah and I think it's because like the amniotic fluid starts dropping well, I don't know when it starts dropping, but it gets less and less as the pregnancy progresses. Right. And you can get to a point where you've got basically none, and that makes it very difficult for the baby to survive. Wow. And there's probably other factors as well. So that's interesting to know as well, because there's, you know, those women that are quite defiant that the baby's going to come on its own, there's yeah. obviously a reason why there's 
What's the word I'm looking for? Like where they put a threat, like a, yeah, a deadline. Like you or... have to. Yeah, basically. Sorry, yeah. You, you don't get to make the decision anymore. It's for your yeah. safety. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And and I guess that's another. So did that play on your mind when you were saying no to the induction? It it did, but um, they did a, an ultrasound and they measured the amniotic fluid okay. and there was tons of it okay. in there and the baby's heart rate was good baby was moving around everything was hunky-dory so and you weren't having to worry about feeding and sleeping yeah, exactly. so you just keep it in there for a couple more days please yeah so we were we were all happy to to let it go but they did because it's unusual most women don't decline uh, an induction at that point they just go for it they wanted me to come in every single day after that to have a scan get checked check the heart rate do like just make 100 percent sure that everything's still good okay and probably it's probably a good point to note again about being informed about what your options are because it's so easy to to just listen to what doctors say and i think it's just important to know that they they have their own motivations for advising you certain things and in this case i think it was it was about my safety and they know that to have an induction at that point is the safest option sure but just know that you can take things on a case-by-case basis and if everything else is looking good you know you can make your own decisions about about what you do so you're doing dailies doing dailies going in on your own for these no um my husband was coming with me Mm -hmm. and he was very supportive of uh, the decisions that I was making. Um, he was probably also <laughs> not wanting to deal with a crying baby. And when you say the decisions that you were making, were they solely yours or did he have any input or suggestions or was he happy for you to make all the decisions? No, I think we were, we were discussing everything yeah. and, and making those decisions together. But it was probably guided by me because I was doing the, the, the pregnant one. Yeah. And the um, one that's doing the research, yeah. 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 Uh, so at that uh, scheduled induction date, I did have a stretch and sweep which was, um, have you, have you had a stretch and sweep? I haven't. No, it's horrible. I haven't. I've heard. That's why I'm smiling. I've heard. <laughs> yeah. Yep. So this is, um, I'm sorry if I describe it wrong, but they, um, they go through the cervix with their finger and separate the sort of like agitate the membrane and kind of separate it from the womb, I think is kind of what happens, but yeah, it's, it's extremely uncomfortable and can be painful. And um, they use their hand to do that, don't they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Like an internal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was fun. <laughs> so that's almost like the beginning of an induction, sort of. Yeah. Because they're they're doing something to try and make move yeah, things move along. things around. So yeah. It starts. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I went home and then came back the next day. Just had a, a scan. Everything was still good. And then. The following day, had another stretch and sweep. Oh, I went back for a second. Oh. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the second one was worse than the first one. Really? You'd think the first one would loosen it up. Yeah. Like actually start to detach some stuff already. But I guess you're also continuing to grow. Yeah. The baby's continuing to grow and getting bigger and there's less room and space in there. and Yeah, changing position. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. And different people have different techniques as well. Sure. So it was a different person that did the second one? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So are you, what are you, 40 plus 11, 40 plus 12? Yeah, so by this, the the second stretch and sweep, I was 41, yeah, 40 plus 12 or 41 plus 4, 5, something like that. Mm. Oh, yeah. 
so I had the second stretch and sweep and the midwife that did that for me recommended an essential oil called clary sage <laughs> and she said go and find some of this oil because if you smell it like it makes you have contractions because you need to have this baby now like yeah just do whatever you can to make that happen so we left the hospital this was first thing in the morning we left the hospital and went to probably four different malls looking for <laughs> clary sage we went into like 20 different chemists and we couldn't find it anyway anywhere and then we got home and I was pretty exhausted um and I was starting to have like little tightenings and I thought oh what's happening you know I'm mm. having little contraction like I thought oh this is pre-labor or whatever they call it and I was timing them and they were really regular uh but they weren't painful and I thought oh something's happening and started bouncing on a I bounced a little bit on a, a ball, ball. yeah <laughs> yeah and then I was like oh Nothing's happening. So I went to bed, brushed my teeth, uh, went to go and do a wee before I went to sleep. And as I stood up off the toilet, I just felt this gush of water that I don't normally feel. (laughs) I was like, whoop, and I just backed up onto the toilet again. Yeah. And I was like, okay, I'm pretty sure my water's just broke. Wow. It's, It's not that common the water breaking yeah. feeling. Like you think you see all the movies of water's gushing and water's breaking, but you ask a lot of people that don't actually have a water breaking moment. Yeah. True. Yeah. Yeah. And like they- that real, some people might just get a bit of a trickle or mm. but to, to get that feeling. Yeah. It was a, it was a bit of a gush, but it, it's still confusing. Like it wasn't super obvious that it was my water's breaking. It could have been just like a moment of leakage. <laughs> Um, but I was, I was pretty sure it was my water. So, um, I, I put a a pad in my underwear to, to catch some of it. And I stood up and I I rang the hospital and they said they wanted me to bring a pad in so that they could just test that it was my waters, but then they would let me come home and have a sleep and just let things progress. Wow. So I went in and then they said, Oh, uh, you're over, over your dates. You can't go home. (sighs) And by it this tricked you. Yeah. So deliver us a pad with amniotic fluid on the roof and then go home. It just sounds a bit dodgy, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And as soon as the waters had broken, by the way, like proper contractions started. Okay. And I had thought that I was having little contractions before, but you then were, I realized yeah. that I wasn't <laughs> because there's pain, like it's, it's sore. Yeah. Um, and so we were driving to hospital and we got there and by that stage, I was, I was like, wow, this is this is actually really sore. Yeah. Right. I mean, so I knew it was going to be like what sore? Your your tummy? The contractions, yeah. So it's like an, it's almost like a like when you've got a gastro bug or something like that. So mm. It's like or a period pain, mm-hmm. really. Like a deep ache. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But a really bad one. Yeah. And so we got to the hospital. They tested. They said it was amniotic fluid, and I was like, oh, I'm can you can I have some pain relief I'm really sore and they're like uh here's some Panadol they gave me a couple of Panadol (laughs) my gosh what an insult it was insulting (laughs) yes I just basically labored from there so I had to stay in the hospital sorry did they check your dilation when you got there no no okay they didn't they're only allowed to in this particular hospital and might be a I don't know what rule it is but they're only allowed to check you once every four hours really yeah, so I think it's just to 
I don't know what the reason is. Um, so they probably didn't want to do one too soon because they could, I think they could tell that I was very early on, <laughs> even though I thought I was like about to have a baby. Yeah, they see, they see it a lot, right? So yeah. <laughs> they're a pretty good judge of like, yeah, how yeah. far are you? Yeah. So that was probably 10 or 11 o'clock that I got admitted to uh, a birthing room and was just left there. PM. This is PM. He's a night. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I sort of real. I think I realized at some point that it was kind of slow and I sent my husband home because we had two dogs that were home alone. <laughs> I was like, just go home and have a sleep with the dogs because this could go on mm. for ages. Um, and he like, husbands aren't very, there's not, there's, there's nothing they can do. There's not a lot. They're pretty useless, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, they, as much as they would want to help. Yeah. They really can't. Yeah. And I think you're right as well, like sending them home to get a sleep. You can call them back if you need to, mm. but you know, you want them to be awake and with you, particularly if you end up laboring for the rest of the day. You want that support there. Yeah. So at so yeah, just let the labor progress and it was getting progressively more painful. At about three AM and I was just pacing around the room, I tried to sleep, but it was just too sore. So or like uncomfortable and you know contraction coming every minute or couple of minutes so <clears throat> you can't sleep <laughs> so about 3 a.m i called the doctor in because things had kind of stepped up a notch like i felt like it was a next level of pain and i, I at that point wasn't having any pain relief uh, apart from the panadol <laughs> <laughs> which you'd probably worn off by then anyway yeah <laughs> uh so i was like what are my options and she offered me a couple of drugs uh some gas and air or an epidural and i said okay i'll go for the gas and air Mm -hmm. i think i was hooked up to the ctg machine the monitoring machine the whole time uh and i think i'm not they don't always do that i think might again have been because i was they sort of saw me as a little bit more risky because i was over my dates that was great because i could use it to tell when my contraction was starting to start going with the gas and air because the machine would start going before I could actually feel it. Right. And if I only started the gas when I could feel it, then I couldn't get enough into me to actually take the edge off the contraction. Sure. Uh, so that was really useful, and, and I found that it was it was quite effective in just taking the edge off. Mm. <laughs> it was still really painful. but And the worst was when I had to like go to the toilet or something, and I had to leave the gas behind yes. and then I would have a contraction while I was away. Uh, so that was, uh, that was tricky. Do they have a limit on how much of like the gas, like, can you just continue to have it and control how much you're having as much as you want for extended periods of time? Or do they get to a point where they're like, Hey, you know, lay off a bit. No, they, they said that I could just keep, keep going as much as I want. Mm-hmm. I think they can control how strong the flow is. Sure. So that's probably how they did it. At that point, they also called my husband back in and he came to support me and just kind of hold on to me as I was having these contractions. At that point, they also did do an internal exam and they found that I was five centimeters at that point, Mm -hmm. which is a little bit discouraging after you feel like you've done a lot of hard work. You're like, okay, well, I started at like one and a half and now I'm at five, so I'm not even halfway. And I feel like I've done a lot of work already. But yeah, kept going. Obviously, things were getting more and more painful and more and more um progressive at some point i thought i had the urge to push like i thought um i was ready to go 
they weren't able to do an internal exam at that point because of that time limit. I, I kind of felt like the most comfortable way for me to push would be to lie down. So I lay down. On your back? On yep. my back. And then the contractions just stopped completely. <laughs> and it was wonderful. <laughs> yes and no, though, because you've, you know, you've, you know, it started at 11 o'clock at night, so you wouldn't have slept. Yep. So you've already pulled an all-nighter. Mm. Then you've been through how many couple of hours of, you know, having gas and contractions and stuff. You kind of, like, you're halfway there. You know, yeah. you want to just put the foot on the pedal and power through. I was exhausted. Yeah, okay. I was absolutely exhausted. I was in so much pain. It was so wonderful to just have a little bit of relief from the pain. Okay. It was great. But um, the doctor didn't like that, obviously. <laughs> and she said, look, you're going to have to get up and just let these contractions come back again. So I did that. I think this was probably about six or seven in, in the morning after three more super intense contractions. I said, I, I can't, I really cannot bear this anymore. It is so intense. I, I think I'm going to need an epidural now. And she said, okay, well we can do another internal exam now. Let's just see where you're at. Yeah. She said I was an easy nine centimeters at that point. Wow. So that progressed quickly then from the, it did. Yeah. yeah. And I, I knew that because it was that much more painful. Um, wow. I was like, great, but I've still got a lot of contractions to go and pushing and I'm done. I'd have nothing left in me. I cannot do this anymore. And I was absolutely adamant at that point that I wanted an epidural. Mm -hmm. She knew that initially I hadn't wanted to have, an epidural uh so she did try and talk me out of it and so did my husband but i was i wasn't having any of it yeah don't remember what i told you before <laughs> listen to what i'm telling you now yeah i think that's that probably happens a bit too because i think i had something similar like a similar arrangement with my husband of you know make sure that you really question me if i say i want something yeah because i probably won't know what i'm doing in the moment but yeah 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 i was really clear yeah. <laughs> uh the anesthetist came up pretty quickly and uh, she she put a um, a drip or something in me because they were going to do some potentially some syntocin as well if things weren't progressing. Oh, and obviously, I think they do fluids as well when you're yeah. on an, um, an epidural. And then I had to get the the epidural inserted. So I sat on the edge of the bed while that was happening, and I was having these contractions, which when you're nine centimeters are insane so it was very challenging to keep my body still because they're saying to me you know if you don't keep still like you you could be paralyzed or something yeah there's that fear of the risk yeah and and how close together were your contractions at that point i wasn't getting i was if i was getting 10 or 20 seconds in between contractions it was a lot right so yeah. it's not like you could say hey this you know it's going to be a two minute window coming up or something can you just no, do it then no i had probably two or three contractions while they were Wow. And they were, yeah, they were intense. And I didn't have any gas at that point. Um, I think it had, it wasn't really doing the, doing anything anyway. Uh, so yeah, that went in and it took quite a while to take effect. But once it was in, they, I think they also put some Syntocin on and um, I think I had a sleep. I reckon I yeah, slept for a few hours at that point. Wow, at nine centimetres. Yep. <laughs> I needed it. Yeah. I couldn't feel anything. It's so. amazing. I'm just 
it's, it's amazing how much you assume about pregnancies and the way things go. And because every story is so different. Yeah. Like I would assume that when you're at nine centimeters, your body is, is basically, you know, getting you to the point that's ready to release the baby, you know, yeah. that you would being able to sleep would just be not possible. But yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So that was wonderful. And then they woke me up and did another internal exam and they said, okay, awesome. You're, you're 10 centimeters. Uh, do you have the urge to push? I said, no, <laughs> which I think is probably because of the epidural. Mm-hmm. And so they said they would give me an hour to get that urge naturally. Uh, Cause obviously that, that must be better, I guess. And uh, that didn't happen in the hour. So they said, okay, you, you're going to need to, cause baby's ready. Baby's like coming down. You need to get the baby out now. So you're going to need to push like without the urge. Yeah. Which was, really really challenging so obviously so so what time is this this was at about midday okay so this is my first child i've never pushed a baby out before (laughs) i didn't and i couldn't feel anything were they explaining to you how you should try and push because i've heard things like you it's like you should push like you're trying to do a poo yeah things like that so that so they try and explain to you how you try to push they did and and i was trying to do that but at the same time I was like well actually I don't want to do a poo right now (laughs) so I was I was doing it but I also maybe was holding back a little bit (laughs) the epidural had actually when they when they gave me that hour to get the urge to push they turned the epidural off so it had worn off a little bit because I think they they want you to have some sensation down there to know what to do so I was trying to push this baby out. I was pushing as hard as I could where I thought I m- was meant to. They did. Ha- someone had their fingers in me, sort of pushing down and putting pressure where they wanted me to concentrate the pushing from. Right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which was helpful. Yeah. But th- everyone was so disappointed after every contraction, like. When you say everyone... Well, there were two midwives. That's who I'm talking about. It was just them. Yeah, yeah. A a contraction would come on and I couldn't really feel the contraction because of the epidural, but I could see it on the machine and they would say, right, a contraction's coming, you need to push. And then I would push with all my might and I was exhausted. I was hot and sweating and tired and, and then they would go, oh, okay, well done like but like really deflated like i could sense that i wasn't doing a good job oh my gosh that's horrible that's not that's not the pressure you kind of need in that moment yeah so i kept trying probably tried for about an hour and then the the main midwife went out the room she excused herself and left i was like oh that's what's happening now and she came back with a friend uh oh (laughs) So she brought in this other midwife who was uh, an older woman and she was, I, I think of her as the pushing Nazi. So she came in there like a, like a drill sergeant and was really, really strict with me. Right. She walked up to me and she said, if you don't get this baby out in the next 15 minutes, the doctors are going to come in here with forceps and you could end up going for a C-section. You need to get this baby out. Right. And when the next contraction came, she pushed me so hard. She yelled at me. She screamed at me, push it out. Oh my goodness. <laughs> she was so scary. 
but I did that. It worked needed, for me, yeah, right? She she knew what to do. Yeah, and also the thought of that, like when you're that far in, to then think that if I can't get this baby out, they might force it. Sounds pretty full on, mm. and a cesarean, you know, at that point as well. Yeah. So yeah. So she put the fear in you. She did put the fear in me. She was super, super scary. And during the, during each contraction, she said, you have to do like three big pushes in every contraction. And then it would get to the end of contraction. She's like, those three weren't good enough. Another one. <laughs> it is like a drill sergeant. Yeah. And like a boot camp, like your push-ups aren't good enough. Go again type thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, it worked. So she was probably only in the room for about 10 minutes. Baby popped out. Wow. And um, I pulled her up onto my chest and I was just um, like vocally going, oh, thank goodness you're out. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I was just so relieved relieved that it was over and she was out. Uh, And yeah, it was, it was awesome. And then that lady left. That was all I ever saw of her, but she made a big difference, I think, because I think it could have turned out differently if she wasn't there. Yeah, that's that's quite ironic that the other one went to get her as well. Yeah, she knew. She was like, "This isn't this isn't going the way we want it to. We're going to get the big guns." Yeah, and you knew you were having a girl, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. So that that wasn't a surprise. But what did you? What was the initial? Because I had cesareans both times. So when the baby comes out vaginally, and you said, you know, you picked her up, was she still? Does she still have her umbilical cord? Was she still attached? Yeah, so the placenta was still uh, inside inside me, and they gave me a, a jab of an extra jab of syntocin in my leg, I think, or or maybe it was through the drip. I can't remember to to just get it out quickly. Oh, okay. So that just yeah, I don't know. It gives you a final push to get the placenta out. And did um, you have to push to get the placenta out as well? A little bit. Like yeah, you've almost got to it's birth it. Super easy, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You do. Yeah. And yeah, so then uh, they put the placenta in a little bowl, and then uh, they clamped the cord. Or, mm-hmm. No, no, they, I think they they waited for the cord to stop pulsing. Okay, which was one of the things that I wanted them to do, and they that was kind of standard. So for that's them. known as delayed cord clamping. I think so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they did that, and then it went white, and they clamped it, and hubby cut the cord. They asked me if I wanted to keep the placenta for any reason. I said, no, thank you. You can, <laughs> yeah, you can take that away. <laughs> I don't want to see it again. You don't want to make, you know, like <laughs> face mask or yeah. grind it down and into powder and yeah, yeah. That no. wasn't that wasn't for me. So uh, yeah, so that was that. And then they weighed baby uh, and took care of them. Baby basically went off to hubby and another midwife to take care of at that point because uh, I was then checked to see if I had any tearing. Okay, which I did. So I had uh, quite bad uh i think it was second degree tears and it wasn't just like a straight line it was very intricate in all directions internally external like really you did a good job horrible (laughs) yeah so they stitched that up and i remember she just had a long it was really painful even though they put a local anesthetic there i could feel everything um so she had a really long thread of stitching stuff and she just went for it, like not individual stitches, just stitch, 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 stitch. Wow. Uh, so that was horrible, and I just couldn't bear to hold hold the baby during that period. Um, and once that was over, I was still uh, still in a lot of pain, and I was in pain for probably three weeks after that. Uh, the stitches are the, the worst 
the worst part there. I just don't think after having a baby and having yeah. like, literally like, it's complete. It's a completely different type of pain um, because, the, like I said, the contractions are really internal and deep, but then something like a needle going through flesh is yeah, that's com- this specific feeling mm, at that very, point. Yeah, it's different, like a knife. Okay, so they stitched you up. Then what happens? You get baby back. Yeah, so the only other thing there was that because I'd had the epidural, they wouldn't let me stand up. So it was kind of awkward because, um, again, my husband left to go home at that point uh, to check on the dogs. <laughs> and <laughs> they'd been at home alone since 3 a.m. And it was awkward because the baby was in the bassinet a little bit away from the bed and I was in the bed and I wasn't allowed to stand up. I felt like I could, but I wasn't allowed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was that was tricky uh, and it took me yeah it took me a little while to be allowed to stand up again and and really connect with the baby again yeah, yeah. so we uh, we did try some breastfeeding and, and skin to skin but it was I was just so exhausted <laughs> I was exhausted and I was sore and yeah yeah eventually we went up to the ward and I stayed there for three days but I I hated that the whole time because I just felt like everyone was checking on me and um, I, I didn't, I wasn't able to breastfeed very easily. So I, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, I wasn't even able to, what do you call it? Um, express, express colostrum yeah. or anything. Uh, and the midwives were getting, I felt like they were getting frustrated with me because it wasn't working and they, they know that baby needs that to, to yeah. thrive. So it was frustrating for them and it was frustrating for me. And I think I went home. Maybe it was only two days that I was there, but I just wanted to get out of there because I just wanted to do it my own way. Yeah, and you're right. Like, there is – there's always someone coming in. Yeah. There's, like, the cleaner, the food lady. Mm. You know, there's a midwife. They're checking, your, you know, your blood pressure. They're checking the baby's blood pressure. They're, you know, checking the book, like, yeah, have you fed? Have you done this? Yeah. It is constant. The pediatrician, they come and take the baby for the – the yeah, Yeah, there's – it's surprising. You don't get a lot of sleep. I mean, yeah, you've got a baby anyway, but it's yeah, it's full on. Yeah, wow. So from the beginning of the water breaking at eleven p.m., when was she born? What was the time? Uh, it was just before two p.m. the next day. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it's like quite intense. Really, that sort of period from the three a.m. when they called Vayner back. Yeah. 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 And is that sort of how you expected it would go? Is that what you had in your mind? The way that it, the way that it went, or uh, I, I didn't have too much of an expectation. I knew it was going to be something like I've never experienced before. So I didn't, I didn't have too much of a set idea of what it was going to be like other than painful. Probably the thing that I didn't, I didn't realize how tired, how physically exhausted I would be. Mm-hmm. So like you've, it's like you've been lifting weights for 17 hours. <laughs> yeah. And, and that's, that was the part for me that, that brought me to having an epidural. I felt like if, if I'd only had to endure that intense pain for three hours, then that would have been fine. It's, it wasn't the level of pain that I couldn't deal with. It was 
the amount of time it went on for. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. And you're right, because you're just becoming more and more exhausted and depleted, dehydrated. You can't really eat. You can't get the fuel into you that you need. Yeah. You're not rested. You haven't slept. So it just it just becomes insurmountable after a while. Mm, yeah. And what about, was there, was there like a highlight through the period? Was there, you know, some light and shade? Was there a good moment, like a, a fond memory that you have of the whole experience? Uh, it's, it's all a, a bit of a blur. I mean, the, the waters breaking was exciting because it was like, oh, finally I've been waiting <laughs> for so long. It's finally happening. I can actually do something about this now. Uh, and during, during the labor, I had two different people who were assigned to me. First, there was a, a doctor called Tanya, um, who was with me for, I don't know, seven hours or so. And it was great just having someone constant with me the whole time Mm -hmm. that I sort of got to know and she was really supportive so that was amazing I felt like I could ask her any questions we had a lot of time to kill so that was great and then when she when her shift ended then Daniela came in and it was kind of the same like really got to know her and she had a student Courtney with her as well um and it was caught Courtney was a did I say that Courtney was a student midwife yeah and uh, she actually delivered the baby, and it was oh. her first one that she'd ever done. So oh, really? That's that felt lovely. really special. Yeah. I think, actually, um, I had a student at some point, and I can't remember when, because there's lots of different things, but whether it was you know, putting a catheter in or something like that, and you just go, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I wasn't perturbed by that at all, because they've got to learn, mm. and they need to do it by repetition so that they... You know, they have the, the confidence to do it, so... Yeah, that's right. And oh, that's, that's amazing that she had that experience with your baby. Yeah, that, yeah. that made me feel quite good, so, yeah, that was good. And then, obviously, the birth is just this... For me, it was just a moment of utter relief and gratitude that she'd finally decided to get out of the yes. <laughs> Yeah, I yeah. bet. And did you have a name already, or...? No, we had a, a top three list, but... Uh, she came out with really, really dark black hair, and for some reason that threw me. I kind of expected her to be blonde. Right. And you blonde as a baby? No, I had black hair as well. <laughs> okay. I don't know why it surprised me, but it kind of made me start thinking about sort of Mediterranean names like Isabella and stuff like that, but um, which weren't on the list. Uh, <laughs> um, but we ended up calling her Olivia, which was the the top of our list uh, going into it. Is there anything else that we've skipped over or that you wanted to go back to? Like, is there any advice that you glean from your experience that for our listeners you would recommend that they consider or? There's, there's so (laughs) there's so many different bits of advice that I could give, but I'll just say, uh, first of all, you are capable of much more than you probably think you are. I think you, if you, yeah, if you feel like there's a certain amount of pain that you can endure or a certain amount of physical um, hardship that you can go through, you probably can go through much more than that if you, if you actually just put your mind to it or have a situation where you have no choice. Yeah, you probably will. You, you'll just, you have to. Yeah. yeah. You run out of options otherwise. Mm. So just, yeah, be, be, think positive and, and know that you can do it you were designed to do this and just go with that yeah i think that's a really good good point to finish on thank you so much for sharing that i like you as well we obviously work together and i wasn't aware of some of those details too so 
kind of a little bit jealous, to be honest with you, because I never got to have a vaginal birth. So it's it's just a completely different experience. Yeah. Um, and sounds you know really traumatic and exhausting and <laughs> and just full on like nothing you can experience. But yeah, I kind of wanted to get to go through that as well. So. Yeah. I think it's a really big sense of, like the, like you said, the relief of the accomplishment that, yeah, you managed to get through it. So mm. particularly the holding out as well. I think that holding out part that, you know, you were able to say, no, I can do this and I'm going to wait. Yeah. Um, like we've discussed before with mine, I, I wish I had waited a little bit longer yeah. because, it, it, you know, the induction felt unnatural to me. So for you to be able to have that um, mind to hold firm and to let the baby dictate when it was ready to come out, I think was yeah, really quite incredible. So... Yeah, I'm really happy that I did that. So, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Thanks, Flick. Cool. Thank you.